Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. <laughs> Welcome to the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're about ready to begin. We want to invite you to come on in. Find a seat this morning. Let's prepare to worship the Lord today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're so glad you're here. We want to welcome everyone to Pleasant Grove Assembly of God. And what a great day to be in the Lord's house on this Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to pray and worship the Lord this morning. Oh, glory. Pentecost Sunday. I was just thinking about that. It's, it's a significant day for us, amen, as believers. It's significant. And it's recorded there in the book of Acts, chapter 2, that on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that God poured out His Spirit, amen? I believe God can, wants to pour out His Spirit today, Amen? Oh, glory, glory. We want to let that be our prayer today. As we open, as I'll invite you to stand this morning. And as we open in prayer, let's let that be our prayer. God, that You would pour out Your Spirit upon us today and equip us. You know, as, so we know that the day of Pentecost came. It was ten days after the ascension of Christ. Fifty days after Easter. But it was also a time at the beginning of booths when they would celebrate the first fruits of the harvest. And how many of you know that God poured out His Spirit at just the right time? And we are in the time of harvest. Amen. We're in the time of harvest. The fields are white and they're ready for harvest. And how many of you know that if we're going to be effective in ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need the power of God. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you this morning. Let's realize the times that we're living in this morning. That we didn't just come to just enjoy some good music and feel good. But we came to seek God. We came to, to receive from Him power. In Word of God that will transform us and equip us to do His work and His will. Because we're living in the last days. And the fields are white and the harvest is ready. And we want to be a part of that great harvest. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's worship the King of glory today. Father, we love You. We thank You, Lord, for this day, for this Pentecost Sunday, Lord, and for what it means to us, Lord God. Father, we thank You today for Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, and we thank You for the Holy Spirit. 
God, Your power, Your presence that was poured out, Lord God, upon us. Fill us afresh this morning with Your Holy Spirit, God. Stir in us and breathe upon us a revival in these last days, Lord God. For we see and recognize that this is the time of the harvest, God. Use us. Father, be glorified as we lift our song to You today. And let Your Word go forth in power today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. He's good, amen.
we love you and praise you. We thank you for your amazing grace. Grace that reached down and lifted us up. Grace that washed us. Grace that made us whole. Grace that delivered us from our past and has given each one of us a glorious and an exciting future. We thank you for your amazing grace. And let us forever honor you for it, praise you for it, and receive the goodness of it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Welcome. So good to see everybody. Amen. Glory to God. I'm just scanning the globe, as they say. See who we got. Amen. It's 10.30, so I'm sneaking a little late so I don't get to shake your hand. So I'm just, I'm just putting my spotlight on you. Amen. That's all right. Welcome to God's house. It's so good to see you. Pastor Todd's going to come and give us one quick special. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord again. So good to see everyone this morning. I have a special announcement this morning as we want to honor our graduates. Amen. How many of you know it's important? Amen. When we... When we recognize and we honor someone's great achievements, and uh, we're so proud of our graduates this morning, uh, we have two that we're going to celebrate and honor, and they're not just graduating high school, they're graduating from college, and we could not be more proud, and I'm not sure that this isn't our first college graduate since Pastor Zeno's been here, is that right, I believe? Amen. So we want to congratulate this morning Antoinette Martinez and Joseph Zeno. And uh, let's put our hands together for them, first of all. And uh, I want to, amen. First of all, I just want to ask Tony if she would come. We have a gift for you, Tony. And as you come, I just want to share with you that Tony uh, graduated from Southeastern University with a bachelor's degree in chemical uh, criminal justice and uh, Tony congratulations we are so proud of you God bless you amen if you'll just stay right here and then I want to invite to the platform Joseph Zeno if you would come Joseph we have a gift for you as well amen Joseph graduated from the University of South Florida with a bachelor's degree in English creative writing. And we congratulate you, Joseph. We couldn't be more proud of you. Amen. Praise God. You know, our education is important and everything that we achieve is important. But all of it is just futile without Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So I just want to encourage y'all, you're, you're changing uh, into a new season of your lives, and we just want to encourage you, put God first in your life. Put your trust and your faith in Him. God will open doors for you, and He'll direct you, and He'll walk you through blessings you never even imagined. I want to invite Pastor to come, uh, and and uh, we're gonna. I want to pray a blessing over them, and we just want to stretch your hands this way as we pray for our graduates today that God would bless them. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord God. Father, we thank you for our graduates, Lord, for Tony and for Joseph, for all of their hard work and all of their accomplishments today, Lord. And 
and we honor you and recognize you, Lord, and we thank you for your presence in their lives, Lord God. And now, Father, as they, as they enter into this new season in their lives, God, we pray that your anointing would rest upon them, Lord, that they would always look to you for guidance, for direction, Lord, that you would open doors for them, Lord God, as they go, Father, and that you would use them mightily, Father, in the days ahead, God. Let your Spirit rest upon them, Lord. And Father, we pray for every good gift and blessing you have in store for them, Lord. Watch over them. Protect them, Lord. Let them continue to grow in their faith and use them for your glory. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One more big round of applause and a God bless you. Thank you both. We're so proud of you. God bless. Amen. And it looks like our children have already been dismissed. But if there are any left, please make your way. But uh, I'll turn it over. Pastor, God bless you, Thank Pastor. You. Amen. Yeah, the kids just help themselves. Amen. Well, good morning. It's so good to see everybody out. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to John's Gospel, Chapter 9. John's Gospel, Chapter 9. We'll spend our time this morning talking about the, the works of God. The works of God. God's work and our work and John's gospel, the ninth chapter. We're going to start from verse number one, talking of Jesus. The Bible says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And having said this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so the man went and washed and came home seeing. Let's talk about the works of God. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Give us a faith that will not only embrace Your Word, but apply Your Word to our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. The setting of our story is Jesus is being hounded and accused by the Jews, and His life is on the line. Um, He just left the temple grounds to avoid being stoned to death. They picked up stones and they were getting ready to try to murder him, but he left the temple grounds and as he did, he saw a blind man and Jesus stopped to minister to this man. Now, there's no indication that the blind man called out to him. There's no indication that the blind man even really knew Jesus was passing by. But in our little story here, what unfolds is that we see a dramatic miracle. We hear a theological question. And then lastly, we all receive a divine mandate for our lives. So I want to break up our thoughts into two main verses this morning. Number one, the ultimate purpose of Christ. And number two, the urgent priority of Christ. Now, the ultimate purpose of Christ... The ultimate purpose of our Lord was to bring glory or glorify the Father in everything He did. 
In every situation, in every encounter, from Bethlehem's manger to Calvary's cross to an empty tomb to that soon second coming of glory and grace, everything Jesus did, He went about to please the Father and do the Father's will and to bring Him glory. Now, in our story, the disciples are asking Jesus a question that many people have asked. We've all heard it before. What's the connection between sin and sickness? And we're just going to kind of touch on this and move on to a different thrust. But the disciples were operating in their thinking out of a Jewish tradition, not a Bible or scriptural premise. There was a Jewish tradition that somehow all sickness was connected to sin. It was a common assumption that sin and suffering always went together. were always intimately connected. Now, in one sense, that's correct. The outworking of the fall, death and sin all came through the fall. So in one sense it's correct. But once um, we, our theologians, move from that general statement about the origins of human suffering and infirmity, and we begin to make a tight connection between specific sins and specific um, sufferings, then we've gone beyond the biblical teaching and the biblical evidence. The fact is, in the Bible, there are many cases where a specific illness or an experience of suffering can be directly a consequence of a specific sin. Cause and effect. Old Testament new. It's very plain. But then again, there are also many cases, Old Testament and New Testament, when, when the Bible doesn't teach that at all, where it's a mystery, where it's an attack of the enemy. So again, we understand that all Sickness has come, generally speaking, because of the fall. Had Adam not sinned, there'd be no death. There'd be no sin. There'd be no disease. There'd be no accident. But to connect each one to a specific thing is going beyond what the Bible teaches and really what our limited knowledge usually knows. So, all right. Verse 3, we see how Jesus, He does not disavow the general connection between sin and suffering. But He completely disavows the universalizing of a particular connection between the two. Always remember this, the fall affects us all. The fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, which brought the ripple effects of sin and death and corruption, affects every life in a variety of different ways. We cannot escape it till we get to glory. Amen? Now, in this instance, Jesus said, hey, you know what? Neither this man sinned nor his parents sinned, but this particular case is for the glory of God because the God that's walking among you is going to work something special through it. And so, again, we notice here the difference between Jesus his compassion for this man and the disciples just curiosity um, you know Jesus is is concerned about the, the blind man's condition and they're they're concerned about a, a theological correctness or curiosity but oh Lord Jesus is going to look at this and he's going to talk to us this morning we ask the question how, how can such things bring glory to God we ask how does God demonstrate his works through those that are suffering I think it's a basic question. I think it's a good question. I think as believers, if we want to glorify God in every situation, that means every situation. Not just the situations I like. Not just the situations I say, that's a good one. I'll sign up for that. And how many of you know, life is not a cafeteria. You just can't pick what you want. you got to take what's dished out to you. But as Christians, we make a choice that whatever is dished out to us, We want to do it in a way that brings glory to God and in a way that honors Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? 
Let me give you three thoughts very quickly. How is God glorified through certain situations, through, through sickness or suffering? Number one, He's glorified by the healing of the sick person. He's glorified by the healing of the sick person, which is what we'll see in this story. God still heals today. Can you say amen? And whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's disease, whether it's an infirmity, an addiction, Jesus Christ is still the great physician. He's still a healing Savior, and He still heals today. Now, He might use various methods and, and various um, ways to do it, but however He chooses to do it, we give Him glory and honor because all healing ultimately comes from the hand of our God, and we praise Him for it. Can you say amen? Now, we, we should look to the Lord. As those that believe this Bible is everything it is, we should look to the Lord and we should ask that His healing touch increase in our service. That the flow of that anointing to make people whole and healthy again would be released in a much greater measure again and again. Because the Bible teaches us through the promises of God, through the gifts of the Spirit, through the life of the Lord Jesus, through the example of the early church that our God is a healing God and His will and desire is to make men whole. The Bible says Jesus Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, the Bible says He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed or under the power of the devil because God was with Him. And this same Jesus, by His Spirit, is in our midst today. And He'll heal you. And He'll free you. He can break the shackles of addiction. He can impart divine life to areas that are broken. He can drive out diseases that they'll be there no more. He is a healing Jesus. He is a great physician. And one of the glorious ways that God is glorified is when the life is healed by His power. And I pray today, may someone receive God's healing touch in this moment. Let it be immediate. Let it be forever. Let it be for the glory of God. Can you say Amen? He still heals. And we still believe that. If not, throw out your Bible. And as God's people, we should be praying to believe for more of that. We should do our part to see that glory of God through lives made whole. Such limited power in the church is one of the reasons so many of the young go here and go there. We talk sometimes more than what we produce. But there's a price to pay to produce the life of God. To be more than a debating society. To be more than just philosophy of religion. So let us be a people that are determined to do our part. To seek the Lord. To, to get anything out of the way that would hinder the flowing of God's Spirit. In all that in our hour, in our locality, the glory of God would be expressed by the healing of the hurting and the freeing of the suffering. Can you say amen? But secondly, we also recognize throughout the Scripture that not only through the healing, but through the hurting, through the hurting of the sick person. Now, don't get strung up on the alliteration on the hurting. Because of the fall, as we have just said, we know that sickness comes from the enemy. We understand that it comes as a result of the fall of Adam and Eve. It comes as a result of the attack or the assault of the evil one. He's the destroyer. He's the thief that of our. He's the one that oppresses the devil oppressed by Jesus brought healing and deliverance. He's the one that accuses and afflicts. It's the curse of sin and the ripple effects. 
in the afflictions of the evil one. But even when the enemy attacks or afflicts an individual, if we choose to go through it with the right attitude, rejecting the temptation to give in to fear, to give in to doubt, to give in to complaining, but instead we we simply have the, the prayer, the attitude that says, God, give me the grace I need. That as I wait on you to heal me, as I wait on you to bring me through this, my life will glorify you. And through this, your name would be praised. God is glorified when we keep the faith, when we keep that good confession, when we have a proper attitude as we wait for God to bring us through the storm or bring us through the struggle, as we go through it in a manner that glorifies God, that properly represents God, as we endure it until finally we prevail over it. For if you're a child of God, you will prevail over it. Oh, you will prevail over it. Even if it means someday the ultimate of all promotions, when you see Him face to face, when that moment comes, you've won the battle. It's over. The war is finished. Praise God. But as we get there, let us be determined. We're going to glorify God through the storm. We're going to glorify God through the sorrow. We're going to glorify God through the suffering. And though it's not always easy, His grace will be sufficient. He will give us what we need to praise Him through the tears and bless Him through the pain. Can you say amen? You see, God might not be the originator of that trial, but He can still use it if we respond properly. Romans 12 and 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient, persevering in affliction. I'm not rejoicing because of it. I'm rejoicing in spite of it. I'm rejoicing because I have a hope. I have an expectation that my God's going to bring me through it and a better day is coming. I rejoice not because of it. I rejoice in spite of it because I know this affliction will not have the last word. I know in whom I have believed in. I know that He's faithful. I know that He's able. I know the work He began. He's going to finish. He's going to bring me through it. If He's got to carry me Himself, my God will make a way for me. Your God will make a way for you. So while you're going through it, just make up your mind, Jesus. I'm going to praise you regardless. I'm going to witness for you regardless. And I'm going to trust you regardless. Somebody say amen. You see, my friend, Jesus Christ is honored. The Father is glorified. When we go through it with such a proper spirit, our lives witness to others. Our character, our patience, our grace, it grows in us. And our Father is well pleased. Friend, when you go through a trial, make up your mind and be defiant over the devil. Be defiant over the devil. Say, devil, you're not going to take my song. You're not going to take my peace. My God is greater. Greater is He that's within me than he that's in the world. And that Holy Spirit within me will give me the grace I need to praise Him, to trust Him, and to walk with Him, even when the going is tough. How do we glorify God in certain situations? Well, one way is to see the healing power of God flow and the miracle come. We want more of that. But it's also making up our minds that as we go through it, we're going to be a good witness. 
We're going to keep praising Him. We're going to keep trusting Him. Amen. We're not just fair weather Christians, are we? We don't just love God when things are good, but when things aren't good, all of a sudden, no, we're not so, no, no, we love Him. We love Him. Through the healing, through the hurting, through the helping, through the helping. Didn't Jesus say one of the ways they'll know we're His disciples? Or if we, what, love one another? When, when the body of Christ rallies around a hurting person and ministers with the sincere love of Christ, when we carry each other's burdens, when that practical faith without works, when the, the evidence of faith, real faith, that practical side of faith and love is expressed one towards another, when we lift up those that are going through it, when we come alongside and comfort those that are going through that, that, that sorrow, when we do those things with, with such genuine love, our Father is well glorified. God is glorified by the way the saints take care of one another through times of sorrow or suffering or sickness as we carry one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus, we notice here, the ultimate purpose of Jesus was to um, glorify the Father in every situation, in every circumstance. And in this case, it was by the healing of the blind man and then the teaching of a little sermonette about spiritual blindness, a lesson on spiritual blindness. But we that love the Lord, we should make a, a, a prayer, a vow, a goal, that whatever situation that we're in, whatever situation we're in today, may our prayer be, Father, be glorified in this and in me. Let our goal be, Lord, help me to grow through this and glorify you in this. For I know, Lord, that I represent you and I want to be a good representative of Jesus Christ. Oh, the ultimate purpose. The ultimate purpose. But then secondly, the urgent priority of Christ. The urgent priority of Christ. The ultimate purpose. Jesus wanted to glorify the Father. One of the last prayers Jesus prayed, John 17, He says, I have glorified you by finishing the work you sent me to do. By finishing the work, I brought you glory. And when we do the work of God, we bring glory to God. Amen? But now if you look, the urgent priority of Christ. This is verses 4 and 5. Really, verse 4 will be our, our, our focus here. Jesus said, now as long as it is day, we must. Do the work of him who sent me. Nighttime is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus is basically telling his disciples that this is no time to stand around and discuss theology. He's got a work to do, and it must be done while the opportunity is there. He says, nighttime is coming when no man can work. And I meditated on that throughout the week. Those words, nighttime is coming. And let's speak to someone. Nighttime is coming when no man can work. 
Nighttime is coming. You'll never be able to talk to your kids about the Lord again. Nighttime is coming. You'll never have another opportunity to witness to those in the job that God has brought across your path and open doors. Nighttime is coming when no man can work. And I thought about that. And I thought about, you know, um, in homes, sometimes in the den or in the kitchen, those little plaques. And there's those little, you see them in the, the home department, a Walmart and stuff, little plaques like, um, for instance, it reminded me of those, um, home is where the, the heart is, right? Or, what are those other things? Love grows here. Worry less, smile more. And then I thought of some of you guys out there. I'd rather be fishing. I saw that. That was, I'd rather be fishing. And I was meditating on this. I thought of a plaque. I was thinking about the words of Jesus. They were challenging my heart. Nighttime is coming. Well, no man can work. Let's not waste time. Let's be about the Father's business. And I, I had a plaque. I got one, one of my plaques. You don't have forever to get your act together. You say amen. You don't have forever to get your act together. Nighttime is coming. There'll come a time there'll be no more altar call. It'll be the last one. There'll be no more Sunday school class. It'll be the last time to teach. No more to see that person at work. That God's giving you an open door to share the gospel. Oh, my, 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 my. Jesus is telling his disciples in this particular instance that his ministry is not about solving puzzles, but it's about ministering to people. Now, now of course, Jesus is not anti-theology. He just knows its place and priority in things. Now, people are what's most important. So he moves with a sense of urgency. To minister to this hurting man instead of discussing healing with the disciples. Now, of course, if anyone could have discussed the mysteries and unveiled the hidden things from eternity, if anyone could have um, revealed truths hidden from the minds of men, it was Jesus. Can you say amen? Uh, I mean, the, the, the Bible says in Colossians 2, in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I mean, how many know if Jesus wants to go deep, He can go deep? Anybody? If Jesus wants to get deep, they don't need to go deep all the time. They need to be busy all the time. And Jesus could have enlightened us far more than the greatest theologians, philosophers, prophets, teachers. But instead, He just simply says, man, what counts now? is to work. For the working time is limited and the workers are few. The urgent priority of Christ. You God has called us to work. To do the works of the kingdom. With the same sense of urgency and sincerity that Jesus had. Ground the work in solid theology, of course, but man, then get on with the work. Less argument and debate. More demonstration and action. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Be about shining the light by touching lives and doing good works. And through that, they might see the reality of Christ and His gospel. And we pray, oh God, may the Savior's burden and the Spirit's drive empower us to do, to do what the Father has called us to do business a task for each one of us. The urgent priority of Christ. There's three sub-points. We'll just touch them. Maybe one and a half. But number one is the divine obligation to work. 
Jesus said, I must. I must. The King of glory. I must. He was compelled. He spoke of a sense of urgency, of necessity. He was, he was urged on by heaven's call. He was urged on by men's desire, need. He was driven by the call of heaven. Now, there is no option. There is no choice or suggestion. We must is part of the fabric of every true child of God. Like Jesus over and over said, I must, I must. There was an urgency in His life to do the will of the Father. There must be an urgency in our life to please God and fulfill the call of God upon our lives. We must for our service to the Lord. It's not only important, it's imperative. And it needs to be a priority and a passion, a motivation in our lives. We must. Jesus, the Bible teaches, was driven to obey the Father. He said in John's Gospel, the fourth chapter, He says, My meat to eat is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. He was saying the will of God is not punishment, it's nourishment. He says, I am driven and I am motivated, not not by the silly things of men or not by the flippant things of culture, but I'm moved by the eternal. I'm moved by doing things that will matter a thousand years from now. And Jesus said, the meat that I have, the fuel of my life, is to do the will of Him who sent me and finish His work. Jesus was a man that often said, I must, I must. When He was just a lad, when He was just a child, He said to His parents, did you know I must be about my Father's business? When He was just a child, the Son said, I must be about my Father's business. When the disciples said, we got a good crowd, a good following here, let's camp and let's just stop here. He said, no, 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 no. I must go and preach this gospel elsewhere. There's others that need to hear it. There's others that need to be touched by it. We can't just camp out and play it safe. We can't just get to the comfort zone and call. No, we must take it farther. We must reach more. We must stretch out the gospel to whosoever will penetrating the darkness, rescuing the perishing. It must be our task. It must be our burden. It must be something that moves us and takes us to the next place of sacrifice and service for our God and for our King. I must, I must. He said as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of God, Son of Man, be lifted up from the earth. I must go to the cross. I must shed my blood. I must be the sacrifice to redeem a lost and hurting humanity. Oh, devil, try to keep him from the cross. Even his own disciples innocently try to divert him from the cross. But Jesus said, I must go to the cross. I came to go to Calvary. I came to shed my blood that others might believe, that others might come in, that others might be forgiven, that souls would be saved. And here as the servant of all servants, he says, I must be about, I must do the works of Him who sent me. Jesus was driven by His desire to obey the Father, but He was also driven by His love for men. He was driven by the great and urgent need of the hour. Time was short. Night time was coming. Jesus loved us so much. That He couldn't just sit still and watch us perish. He came and died for us. He came and gave His life for us. That we might be forgiven. 
that we might have eternal salvation. Oh, friend, Jesus loves you. Oh, friend, Jesus loves you. Oh, friend, Jesus loves you. He died on a cross for you. He shed His blood for you. Everything you were ever guilty of, He paid the punishment so you could be forgiven of that. Any terrible thing you've ever done, Jesus Christ endured the wrath of God for you, for that sin, so you could be forgiven, so you could know heaven, so you could be clean and pure and made whole in the sight of God. Oh, Jesus Christ, He had the eye must burning and gripping His heart to go to Calvary to shed His blood for you and for you and for me. And we praise Him for that. He had a divine obligation. Paul wrote one time, I'm a debtor. I'm obligated. We that know the Lord have a divine obligation to tell those that are standing where we once stood and are acting like we once acted. To those that are lost like we were once lost. We have a divine obligation to do the works of the Father. When we receive Jesus Christ and we become sons and daughters of God, that same love, that same urgency, that same willingness to stir our hearts, that same sense of divine obligation to do His works, to carry out His cause, to serve Him, it should fall upon us. Jesus was determined to do His works. And my friend, you have a work to do. Somebody say, my work. You have a work to do. You have a work to do. Whoever you are, you have a sphere of influence. You have a sphere of authority. You have a work that God Almighty has entrusted to you. You have lives to touch. You have a witness to give. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You are His representative throughout your life. And the I must determination that Jesus had may it fall upon us also. The urgent priority of Christ. The obligation to serve. Christ and His cause. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. He found us. He redeemed us. He rescued us. Now we owe Him. Now we deserve to serve Him. And now listen, folks, as we go about our day, as we go about our life doing our works, doing our works, our works can simply be summarized in this. And I'm going to jump back. I'm going to the end of my sermon because I want to rearrange it. Sometimes we, we get, we overthink things. Overthink things. Can I just break it down? So at the end when we take our altar call, we can all meet with God a little bit. Is it all right to meet with God? We Pentecost around here. Amen? We're going to meet with God. We came to meet with God. There's a saying in sports, paralysis by analysis. They overthink and they wind up just, they can't function. They're thinking too much. They're overreading things. They're over, and it just stymies the athlete. He's got too much to think about. Sometimes a good coach has to shorten things out to free the athlete just to use his natural talent and get going. Just do what he knows to do. Sometimes you can overthink things. Amen. You've, you've all talked to people, right? There's over Just chill it. Simplify the thing and just get it done. Paralysis by analysis. But I suggest to you that some people, when we talk about the works of God and the ministry of God, we just, we, we just get, we think too much. Everyone's wondering, did God send me to China? Don't worry about China right now. Worry about your world and your sphere of influence. He wants you to get there. He can get you there. Amen? They can have you sending Bibles there. He can have you... He can... He, 
You can have you taking Bibles into that. Oh, God, God can do amazing things with you. Isn't that right, sister? He, he can take you. God will do when you give your heart to the Lord. When you give your life to the Lord, God, God can do amazing things with you. But we'll let God work that out, okay? We're not going to overanalyze. We, we, because I see some people, they think about it so much, and in the end, they do nothing. They've been thinking about eight months. I'm thinking about where I can serve. Well, two years goes by, they still ain't serving. You know what I mean? They're thinking about it. Well, can I make it simple? Our sphere of influence, our children, our church, our community. Now, think about that with me. We must do the works of him who sent me. If you're a believer, you have a work to do. You have a responsibility before the Lord to carry out. You have a ministry. I want to simplify it. And if you can get these down, from there, God can do a zillion things. From there, when you're a yielded vessel, God God can take you to China. God, God can plant you. In Kiev, he can put you in the middle of Hong Kong and use you to build a church that 50 years later is still touching thousands. He can do, God can do that. God can take you from the farm fields of Durant. He can do, God's an awesome God if we just yield ourselves to him. Amen? But let's not get so caught up in wondering about those things that we do nothing where we're at. Because it starts out by being faithful with what's in your hand. So, number one, what is my work? As a believer, all of us have these works in common. This is something we all have in common. Our children. Let's make our home. But children is part of the alliteration. Our homes, our children. Your first ministry, your most important ministry is your home. Especially if you still have kids in the house. Have you led them to the Lord? Have you taught them about Jesus? Your first ministry is to lead your children to the Lord. Your first ministry is to teach your children and help them receive Christ. Teach them the importance of the Bible in learning the Bible. And teach them the importance verbally and by example of honoring God's house. And then be a good provider. Be a good provector. Raise up a healthy home, a loving home. That's a ministry. That's a ministry. Amen? Ministering is loving our children and caring, providing for those God's entrusted to us. And of course, spiritually. So, so think about it. Number one, our children. Every one of us has that ministry. But secondly, our church. Well, we believe God orders our steps. We love to shout about that, don't we? So you have to believe that this is where you're at, that God brought you here. And if this is where God wants you, this is the place where part of your ministry gets fulfilled. It's by support, by participation, by contribution. I want to encourage you to get to know people around you. Because part of your ministry is serving in your, your local church. Using your gifts and talents, using your substance, using your prayers, using your compassion. May I encourage you, if you don't know the people around you, at least get to know people in front of you and behind you. At least get to know them. I mean, get, let's get us home by name. That you can look forward to shaking each other's hand. And then when a need comes, you can pray one for another. And you begin to develop a good relationship because that cord, the more cords you get, the stronger that thing is. Amen? But not only is it your, your children, but your church. If God brought you here, oh, we're excited. We jump up and down. We're so glad you're here. Get involved. Serve God. Be faithful. Pray for the church. Give to the church. Support your brothers and sisters. Get to know one another. Make some good friends. Amen? This is very simple. I know, I know, I know this is not, oh, i got a vision, and I'm preaching to use crowds in South Africa. Don't worry about South Africa right now. We're here. Amen? we we in Durand. Amen? We're here. It's where God put us. Everybody, i got a work to do. i got a work to do. Get doing it. Church. My children, my church, and my community. 
You know, you're God's ambassador on that job. You're not at that job by accident. Not if you believe your steps are ordered by God. Now, if you're being led of God, but if you're not, I mean, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Is God leading your life or not? If he is, then guess what? You're his spokesperson there. You're God's representative in that place. You might be the only one that knows Jesus. You might, have the, you might be the only one that can give hope to those people around you. And if you'll give God your job and see it as your ministry and see it as your act of worship, You'll be amazed how God can open doors and conversations. You don't got to have a degree. You don't got no Greek, Hebrew, or Italian. But if you'll just be a yielded vessel right where you're working. I mean, I, I challenge you. Pray the prayer, God, I give you my workplace as my mission field. And if you'll do that, you just watch how God will begin to do things and put conversations and people you didn't even think cared anything about anything, will ring up at the water cooler some question that you can... Jesus said, we must work. The works, the works, the works. There's, the, there's a work for you to do. And as we simplify it, my home and my children and my family, amen? My church where God has put me, where I can pray one for another and serve and contribute and be part of what God's doing. And then my community, on my job and in my neighborhood, I'm going to shine the light. I'm going to ask God to open up doors that I can chat. You never know. You never know at just the right time if you'll give your home and your neighborhood to Jesus as your ministry at just the right time. That old boy and you taking out that garbage at the right time. And he might just have found out his wife had a bad report from the doctor. And you're there to begin to encourage him in the Lord. You're God's ambassador. When you wake up in the morning, you walk out that door, I'm sent by God. I belong to Jesus. and He orders my steps. He's taking me to work. That's my mission field. I'm there to shine light. I'm there to answer questions. I'm there to tell others. I'm telling you. Hallelujah. We overthink it. We overthink it. But whatever your hand finds to do, All right, I get back to my sermon now. Amen. Jesus speaks here about the obligation. The obligation. There's the we must. We're obligated. He saved us. He died for us. We must serve Him. And we must do our part to honor Him with our lives. Amen. And here's the thought. Our works as we do our best, whether it's in our homes and on the jobs or as we're ministering here in the congregation, our works will often in this life be opposed. But we must work. We can't give up. We can't just look for an easy way out. We must be able to meet it, greet it, and defeat it. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 16 and 9, he says, a great door. A great door of effective work is open for me, but there are many who oppose me. How interesting. We're here, opportunity and opposition go together. And so I just want to encourage you before the trial even comes. Opposition will come. 
But we must recognize that the cause in which we fight for, the cause in which we try to promote is too great and the time is too short. Let us be determined. We will not slow down. We will not give up. We will not stop. We're going to continue to walk on and obey God and do the works of God and tell the story of God regardless of how hell wants to hinder us, regardless of how men want to resist us, regardless of how the distractions and disappointments of life hit us. We have made up our mind. My children and my church and my community. I'm an ambassador. I'm a priest. I'm an evangelist. I'm a vessel of God. And hell might try to distract me, but I'm going to stay focused and believe God for these three areas. The devil might try to discourage me, but I'm going to trust God to give me power to be His vessel. Because if God be for us, who can be against I claim my home for Christ. I, I claim my church as a place for the power and presence and peace of God to reign. I claim my job and my, my neighborhood as a place where souls will be saved and the witness of Christ will shine forth. Though our works will be opposed, we must work. And though our works at times, at times, will seem to be of little effect, Sometimes you're trying and sometimes you're pouring out and sometimes you're doing your best and it seems like there's little fruit, yet we must work. Don't be discouraged by what you see. Galatians 6 and 9. Galatians 6 and 9. This is all one of my favorites. It's an encouragement. Paul says, let's not become weary in doing good. Have you ever gotten weary in doing good? Come on, say amen. It might be in the home. It might be in the church. It might be in the community. We've all got weary at doing good. The devil try to wear you out. The devil try to so exhaust you and disappoint you that you just give up. You let hell know, I don't give up. I don't give up. I get up and I believe God and I press on for the glory of God. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time. Somebody, your time is coming. Just don't give up. Your time is coming. Keep Keep loving. Keep praying. Keep trying. Keep believing. Keep expecting. The devil is a liar, but God is faithful and God is true. He that began that good work, He's going to finish it. He's going to fulfill it. He'll bring His promise to pass. He'll allow the demonstration of His Spirit's power to work in your home. Let us not become weary in doing good. I know sometimes in the home it gets tiresome. I I know it gets weary in that battle, doing your best on the job. Oh, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, your time is coming. We will, we will, the Bible says, we will reap a harvest if, somebody say if, if we don't give up. Tell someone next to you, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. Oh no, too soon to give up, the devil is a liar. Don't give up, you're coming through it. Now, this is how it is. We're giving some reality here in ministry. Am I right or wrong? Only on a 30-minute sitcom are there no problems. And come on, right? Only when that joker's telling the story that half is made up does it all come out in 30 minutes. It don't work that way. You're praying those kids through. You're fighting it every step of the way. On the job, you're trying to be a good witness. Just when you think you're getting headway, some, some demon shows up. You know how it is. Whew. 
This is how it often is with our works and service. Ministry is a work of faith and faithfulness. So keep faithfully working for the Lord. Remain dedicated and fully devoted to the work. To the work. God has entrusted you. You see those babies? That's my work. God has entrusted. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Amen. Every one of them grandbabies come. There's another one. Part of my kingdom. Amen. My kingdom, not big, but it's precious. Isn't that right? Uh, this is my kingdom. We're going to pray him through. We're going to believe him. the devil is a liar. He'll try to do his bit. He'll try to knock him out. You know how he is. He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm going to fight him every step of the way. Why? This is my ministry. I must work that work. Regardless of how things seem. I love it. I love it. I love it. Don't ever forget. It's in the book. Your labor in the Lord is never in vain. Whew. The Bible says that. The devil tried to lie to you saying, oh, it's no use. Oh, it's a waste of time. Oh, you might as well just give up. He is a liar. But the Bible, I'm going to believe the Bible. Amen. The Bible says my labor. Someone say my labor. My labor in the Lord is never in vain. Whew. The devil tries to say, look at all you're doing. Nothing's being accomplished. Shut up, devil. God is working. God is working. God, what do you mean? God said God is working. I said God is working. I said God, I don't see anything. Don't God see anything? God is working. How many remember Calvary? Anybody remember the cross of Calvary? It didn't look very good, did it? It didn't look like God was working, did it? You know, demons were jumping up and down and religious dudes were crying. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, he was on the cross and it looked like hell had won. But oh, you know what happened three days later when it didn't look like God was doing anything. God was doing everything. Up from the grave, He arose. Oh, it might not look like that prayer is being answered. You just keep praying it. It might not look like your love is being rewarded. You just keep loving them. It might not look like that promise will ever come to pass. Listen, if God said it, He'll do it. If God spoke it, He'll bring it to pass. Oh, glory be to God forever. We must work the works of Him who sent us. We have a work to do. And hell will try to hinder. Hell will try to defeat us. But greater is He that's within us. We're going to keep believing. We're going to keep praying. That grandchild will be saved. That granddaughter is coming back to God. Oh, hallelujah! And your labor in the Lord is never in vain. Woo! Hallelujah! Not in vain. There's a lot of dumb things in this world that are in vain. Isn't that right? First Corinthians 15 and 58. Here's a verse for us. If you don't have this one, get this one down. What a verse. What a verse. Therefore, my brothers, my dear brothers, my dear brothers, my dear brothers. Paul's writing with an affectionate heart. My dear brother, let nothing move you. Woo, hallelujah. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. My Lord, that devil try to move you, won't he? He'll try to move you from that song. He'll try to move you from that confidence. Don't let that storm move you. Don't let that threat move you. But always give yourself fully to the work, the work, the work. The, you got to work. The work of the Lord. Why? Because you know, you got to know these things, that your labor in the Lord is never 
Hallelujah. I'm going to get back to my notes because during the week as I meditated on this, God put this on my heart. I want to say it right. Ah, someone get blessed. Someone get blessed. Someone get blessed. Somebody, God put this on my heart. The effort you're making, the effort you're making is pleasing to God and will be rewarded one day. I know it gets tiresome. I know it gets discouraging at times. God, on my heart, the effort you're making is pleasing to God and will be rewarded one day. You're raising those children. You're raising those grandchildren. Doing your very best. Fighting hell on every side. The effort you're making is pleasing to God and will be rewarded one day. Some of you all caring for your elderly parents. You're faithfully sacrificing to serve one another. Others, some for some of you, living for Jesus is much more challenging and costly than others. But your home life is a certain thing. The work is a certain thing. It's not as easy as others. But God reminds you that He's with you and that He's pleased with you. And the effort you're making is pleasing to God and will be rewarded one day. So keep it up. Keep working. Keep believing your labor in the Lord. Lord is never in vain and it will be worth it all on that great and glorious day. Can you say amen? I'll say that one more time. The effort you're making is pleasing to God and will be rewarded one day. Sometimes you work hard, don't seem like nothing. Sometimes you take every punch, turn the cheek till you got no more cheeks, isn't that right? Run out of cheeks. And you wonder, Lord. But God says, because your labor in the Lord is never in vain. The effort you're making is pleasing to God and will be rewarded one day. We have a divine obligation to work. To work. Find your place. Give it your best. Consider it your worship. Let Jesus know He can count on you. That you're going to minister in these areas to the best of your ability. God has made a work for you. And God has made you for a work. Hallelujah. Glory to God forever. The urgent priority of Christ. There's an obligation that we all have. All of us that call ourselves believers. There is the I must. I must. I must like Jesus. There is the objective, the work. We all have a specific work, a specific task. And we must give it our best. And we must overcome the things that would try to discourage us and resist us. Believing God, trusting God. Our labor is not in vain. God is going to honor those prayers. God is going to honor those deeds of love. Amen. That labor of love, those acts of faith, He'll honor them. He'll honor them in His day. God is working. The obligation, the objective, and lastly, and we just I'll give you one line, the, the, the opportunity. Because Paul, Jesus said, we must work the works of Him who sent me. You're sent of God. You're sent of God. You're not there by accident. You're there by divine appointment. We must work the works of Him who sent me. But here it is. Here it is. Opportunity. Nighttime is coming. When no man can work. 
If you haven't witnessed to them, you better witness to them. If you haven't patched it up, you better patch it up. Don't put it off. There's only so much time and opportunity to do it. We've got a good number of older people here that have served God a lot of years. And I know most of you. And you can, you can leave knowing you left it all on the field. We applaud you for that. They serve God, they serve God, they serve God through everything, man. Operations, death scares, serve God. Yeah, they did. You know it. They did it. That's the way to live. Amen. That's the way to live. That's the way to live. So when that time comes, you can say, I left it all on the field for Jesus. Amen. I gave it my best in, in, in my house, in my church, in my car. I gave it my best. I went where I went. If they never told me to cross 60, then I did my best below 60. Amen? I mean, if you sent me, <laughs> if you sent me to Shanghai, I went there for the glory of God and, use, and let them use me. May we be found faithful doing the works we have been entrusted to do. Our children, our church, and our community. And may we make it our goal to glorify our Savior. And properly represent Jesus in and through every situation He takes us. We can't control the situations. But we can control us. And say, Lord, I'd rather not go through it. And if I pray, I'd I'd be happy if you just, you know, took me down another path. But if i got to go through it, I'm going to glorify you as I go through it. And I'm going to grow stronger in you as I go through it. Now as we close... If you would like, um, in the beginning of this message, we talked about Jesus still being a healing Jesus. And I know Pastor Todd always has his oil bottle around, so if you'd like him to anoint you with oil, if you need prayer for physical or emotional healing, we believe he's still a great physician. Amen? But also as we pray, if you just want to come and pray or sit in your seat and pray, Let's draw near to the Lord together. You know, at the end of the message, one of the reasons we open for altar time is that if people have special needs, we can pray for them. I hate someone to leave and have a real need and no one pray with them. But basically, two things here. I want to respond to the Word. I want to receive from Heaven. So as we close, let's just give ourselves afresh to God. Father, I'm your ambassador. I'm your servant. I'm going to do the work you've entrusted to me to the best of my ability. I'm going to recognize these areas of life that you've called me to be a witness, to be a servant, to be your vessel, and I'm going to believe you and give myself to work in these areas. But if you want to just pray, if you want to just have prayer, let's meet with the Lord for a little while before we take off. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, please, as we pray. Father, We thank you for the encouragement. Father, we thank you for the encouragement from the story of Jesus healing this man that was born blind. We see the great compassion of Jesus. So many other things can grab our attention. So many other things can distract us and draw us down a different path at all. Jesus, you were always so concerned and compassionate towards men. 
towards hurting men and women. And Lord, you haven't changed. And I know it's your desire to touch people this morning. And so as we open this altar, I pray that those that would desire special prayer. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's emotional. Maybe just some are making a fresh consecration and would just like a fresh anointing. But, oh, Lord, as your people respond, touch each one of them in a sovereign and supernatural way. Release the working of your mighty power. And, Lord, we all make a fresh commitment to be the vessels you called us to be. To recognize we have a work. And if we will allow you, you will use us. Hell might try to resist us, but greater is he that's in us. So, Lord, as we all make that fresh altar, renew our strength. Give each one of us a fresh filling and a fresh wisdom that we can go back into these areas of our authority, of our responsibility, and we could be used of you. And Lord, I pray, give your people breakthrough in these areas. In the area of the home, in the area of the community, in their home. Give them breakthrough, Lord. On the job, and give them breakthrough, Lord. As they minister in their classes, in the Sunday schools, in the various classes, give them a great blessing upon their efforts, Lord, as they give themselves to serve you. And now, Father, as we open the altar, please breathe your breath upon us. Refresh and revive everyone that's hungry and thirsty for more. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer, come and get prayer. If you just want to sit and pray, let's give ourselves a God afresh for a new freshness.